This is the Evolution Podcast, episode 95, with my friend Sam Serini. Uh, Sam and I go a ways back. Uh, first got to know Sam when I got started into triathlon uh, here in the Hampton Roads area in the cycling community in 2011 uh, or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, Sam is a nuclear uh, trained officer. He is uh, about to be, he is about to assume command of the USS NHTSA. Uh, it's a guided missile destroyer out of uh, Norfolk here, DDG 94. Uh, they just had a very successful deployment came back and then uh, I guess I haven't really given a whole lot of detail about my new job on here uh, but the the Cliff Notes version is that I have the great opportunity to do a lot of or to manage a lot of uh, major work uh, to get that warship back out and ready to fight uh, so it is my responsibility to uh, ensure that that ship is combat ready and to the best of my ability Hopefully, Sam would say I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, but we, we don't really talk too much about that. I mean, we do, but not really. Uh, I wanted to just give you the reason I brought Sam on. I didn't bring him on because he is a, a leader in the Navy. Uh, a lot of people that listen, I think it's probably 50-50, the people that listen to this are, are in the military or you know are into working out or wellness. And, and of course, this, this colors both of those uh, pages for you. Uh, but I brought him on because if you know me, you know that I'm a huge fan of diversity. I've talked about it on the podcast. I've interviewed. If you look at the guests, I've really tried to make it a diverse group on purpose. I don't want a bunch of dudes that look like me that talk like me on the podcast or else you might as well just listen to my solo episodes only, right? Uh, and so that I think that <clears throat> that's what brings to any environment, that's what brings... Uh, a more wide open aperture, a, a, a better viewpoint, a better vantage point is through the lens of diversity. And so we talk about it in the show, uh, but I specifically asked him on because I know he consumes a lot of information. I know he, uh, you know, has a, a remarkable story of coming from the bottom of the ranks all the way up to commanding a, a surface naval vessel, which is a story in and of itself, but also really love the fact that he embraces his Lebanese culture uh, and his Muslim faith and is a red-blooded American that would die for this country. And he, I, I've never met a more devoted patriot, uh, with the exception of maybe myself, <laughs> uh, than Sam Serini. Uh, so we talk about a myriad of things, uh, you know, and I think a lot of that is uh, is beneficial. You know, I think I think that uh, you know what he has to share is is very helpful uh, for senior leadership all the way down to just somebody who's trying to better themselves as a human being. Uh, so if you get anything out of this, I'd appreciate it if you do go to iTunes, give me a five star review. I'd appreciate it if you'd share it out, just throw it in your stories, just anything to kind of spread the word. Uh, give Sam some love and maybe help the project, man. Uh, you know, the, the project is still growing, surprisingly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, it always baffles me, and I'm just always super humbled uh, by the feedback. Uh, I love you guys. Enjoy the show, please. All right, my dude, we are live. Uh, we have been meaning to do this for quite a while. Uh, yeah, for some time. We're, I hate to say that we're, we're busy because everybody's busy, right? But you and I are both, uh, <laughs> I think it is fair to say that we're busy people. Uh, and so that Sam, is. man, thanks for, uh, thanks for respecting, uh, you know, the, the project here and for providing value, 
I just want to take a second to honor you and, and uh, just say I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, man. So how, how's life going? It's going well. No, I appreciate it. You know, I've always been a fan. I, uh, I've followed you for a while now. I had you come on the ship, right, to talk, give your resiliency talk. And I, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of your brand, so anytime I can get around people. <laughs> like I told you, when you're, when you're rich and, uh, and, and I retire in a few years, like, you can hire me and I'll come work for you. <laughs> That's all I'm looking for. This is all about networking, so people see me. I don't know, man, because uh, I see how you are at work. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. <laughs> It is. See, that's, that's, that's one of the hard things, man. Uh, work. Like I, you and I have talked about this before. Like I told you, you have to be the leader that you, uh, you, the, your country or your ship needs you to be, not the one that you want to be. Absolutely. And I, and I read so much and I'm always in on Simon Sinek and all these dudes. It starts with why, but uh, sometimes it doesn't transcend the organization that you're in. The, the culture has a way to get ahead of it. So yeah, well, hey man, that, that work takes takes it from you. We're we're gonna get all into that. We're we're gonna dissect every portion of that. But first of all, um, I wanna I wanna just kind of give people a little brief synopsis, uh, and and I'll do it. Uh, so I met Sam, and I'll, I'll probably record something for an intro with this as well. But Sam yeah. and I met through uh, triathlon and cycling, and then that kind of overlapped into Navy, and and now we work together, right? Uh, different, different entities, uh, of the same, uh, goal, hopefully, uh, to get, get the ship squared away and get it out to sea to do the nation's business. But what I, what I want to start with and what I want to ask you first is what motivates you every morning when you get out of bed, when you get going, like, what is it that drives Sam Serini to the, the level of professionalism, success, family, whatever it is, what is that thing that drives you most? You know, I think, um, like I, when I joined the ship, I had these, uh, you know, I had these sayings as, as the ship transitions when I first got there, you know, for the first maybe six or seven months, I would say, you know, everybody rose, uh, on the back, uh, at the end of every khaki call, meaning that everybody's got to carry their water, uh, so that the, the ship understood that the, uh, or just kind of who it is as who I am as a human being, that everybody has to contribute, right? Nobody gets to, uh, Nobody's here on a free ride, right? So you got you to gotta carry your weight. So that's always been very important to me. That, um, but then once we've established that kind of uh, that culture, then I, the, what I think is most telling is the now I end all khaki calls with better every day. And like you and I talked about the 12 rules for life, Jordan Patterson, the, uh, the, his quote, uh, you're not as good as you can be and you know it. Yeah, right. Jordan, so, Jordan Peterson, right? Peterson, excuse mm -hmm. me, I screw it up all the time. No, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, I know um, what you mean. No, but so that, that's, you know, that's what motivates me. Like, I, uh, I want to be the best version of myself. My, you know, if, I, if you ask me my why is I, I want to leave people better than I found them. Uh, and I feel like I do that. I mean, you know, as better than I do, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a hard guy to work for, but I tell people all the time, metal sharpens metal. You want to fucking, you want to breathe fire. You know, you got to get in the arena. Yeah. Right? And we're here, we're here to do, you know, our nation's work. We're the cloth of our country. And, uh, it's an honor to, to serve young men and women and, and, uh, and you got to take that job seriously. So I, I feel like if not me, then who, Yeah. you know, who yeah. else, who else do I want to leave that, that responsibility to? I'm sure you tell me there's some underlying stuff of how I, I, I don't trust well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I have a hard time uh, trusting, but you know, that's, that's what drives me. I want to leave people better than I found them. And, you know, this is the organization is driven uh, 
and that's what that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, great, man. So, you know, obviously, uh, probably most of the people that will listen to this can relate to the Navy conversation. And, and I want to circle back to that. Uh, you know, Sam is going to be, for the listeners, Sam is going to be the commanding officer of USS uh, NHTSA. He's been there, you've been there about a year now? Is a little over a year, uh, since October. So, <clears throat> okay, 14 months or so. Right. And so they're in a, a dry dock availability, or I'm sorry, not a dry dock, but a, a maintenance availability. Uh, where we have the privilege of uh, working together, which is really neat. It is. Uh, and I, you know, I want to come back to the, to the work stuff, but just for now, uh, I would like to kind of maybe get into, so th- th- this is what we talked about off show. And this is why I asked you because uh, not, not bragging, you know, you know, I'm a very humble dude, but I know a lot of very senior people. I mean, I've rubbed elbows with tribe of mentors of very uh, high level people and, and yet some of these high level people don't have this sense of diversity. And so why I was really excited to have you on is because, uh, you know, if you've ever had a conversation with me, you know, I'm a extreme proponent of diversity because, you know, it's like looking at, you, you can't see all the colors of the rainbow. You can't see the full spectrum if you're just single, single minded. So I, you know, there's diversity and then there's diversity of thought. And I think what you bring to the table is, both, you know, you're, you're diverse and you have diversity of thought. And so what I would like to, to start with first is how does a, a Lebanese guy, you know, uh, where, you know, just love America so much that you're, you're so passionate about it. I mean, I see it in your, in your stateroom and, you know, on your cell phone, like the American flag and don't tread on me. Right. And, and, and you're Muslim. Right. And so, yeah. You know, I want to talk about the spirituality. I want to talk about the faith. I want to talk about the background, the Lebanese background. I want to kind of bring all these things up to highlight how someone can be such a proponent for freedom in America and democracy. And it's not a butt statement. It's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a butt statement. It's a, and retain the culture, retain your history, retain your tribe, retain your, your tradition, your faith, your spirituality. Uh, that that's a very open-ended question, but those are my yeah. favorite kind. So go for oh, it. Oh, for man. sure. No. So, yeah. So I'm Lebanese. My name's not really Sam. You know, some people know that, some people don't. My name's Hassan, Hussein in English. So my name's Hassan Tafidzraini. Uh, my mom was born in this country, but you know, uh, and my dad uh, uh, was born in Lebanon in a little village called Tibnin. I've actually never been to the country. I hope to be it one day. It was an arranged marriage. My mom actually went and picked my dad out, right? A little uh, plot twist. Interesting. Yeah, they came, uh, they got married in uh, 1968. My dad came to this country with my uh, my mom and they set up in a little town, Dearborn, Michigan. It's a suburb of Detroit, like literally surrounded. It's the largest population of Arab Americans outside the Middle East, Uh, you know, ducks like ducks. So they, they uh, migrated here because that's where all the industrial work was, right? So my dad's worked at Ford Motor Company and all the, you know, I've, you know, all the Serenis are there essentially. So yeah, my culture, my heritage, uh, my religion is, is really important to me. Yeah, I'm Muslim. Um, you know, I look at faith probably different than most people, right? Like you and I talked about, like I read a lot. Um, you know, the, the Richard War, I talked about the falling upwards. He's a preacher, a preacher, right? I read a whole bunch of uh, Dalai Lama. Great, great I love read, the Pope. The yeah, I love yeah. the Pope. Um, everything is spiritual. Rob Bell, right? Like I, I love what I've what I've learned about uh, religions in general. At least in my opinion, and I'm sure most people consider it blasphemy. Is that I feel like they're all they're all kind of universal. They all they all want you to just be a good human being, 
if you're a good human being, the, the, the rest will fall itself out in the, in the wash. My culture, my heritage is, is important to me. Like you look, um, so like even in my own family, my dad first came uh, to this country with my mother, my oldest sister, God rest her soul, her name was Noel. And then my older brother's name is Michael. And then I'm Hussein or Hassan. And then my younger brother, Ali or Ali. And that was because my dad wasn't, and my mom weren't comfortable enough to name us traditional Middle Eastern names until we got a further on down the line. Does that make sense? So my yeah. sister was born, I think, 69, my brother's 72, and then I'm 75. And then, you know, we were every three years. So, um, like, I, I, I don't know, like, I think in general, Lebanese people are very, are very uh, there's a lot of culture, like identity. I've never been to the country, but like there's, there's, there's a Lebanese flag tattooed on my, on my uh, arm, right? Uh, we're passionate people. My department heads, I always tell people, uh, like, you can't blame me. It's just who I am, right? And they're like, you can't blame the whole Lebanese community for the way you are. <laughs> and there's, there's some truth to that, but we're like, we're very passionate people. We come across as aggressive or like excitable, but, but we're not. This is just how we are. Yeah. Right. And what I love about my community back home is they're all grinders. It's unbelievable. Like my buddies and I, we talk about this a lot, like, like ethnic communities in general, that, like, especially back in Dearborn, Michigan, like there's so like everybody there is incredibly successful and they're just, you know, we, we work and we hustle. Um, Cause we, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Like my dad, uh, like I said, came to this country, didn't have much. My mother worked her way up. She's, a city council person in the uh, in Dearborn, Michigan. She was the first uh, elected female Shia Muslim in this country. She served for 24 years. Like she was a a Republican uh, Democrat or a Republican uh, uh, delegate at uh, I think it was 84 uh, presidential uh, convention. Uh, you know, my brother serves on the city council. Uh, I have cousins. I have all these. You know. Uh, you know, organizations. I just, I, like, I feel like, like I got a tattooed on my arm. It says Serini Strong. Like you got to earn your fucking place in this family. Yeah. Right? I stand on the shoulders of giants, so I, I have to like earn my place in the family tree. And I try to, I try to like, um, you know, express it on to my kids. Like, hey, like we're we're here. We're our family name. If you're Serini, if you say anybody, bits or any in Arabic means if you're from the family of Serini, like those dudes. Those are the guys you want on your team. That's your squad. You get a couple of those dudes on your team and you're going to move some mountains. Yeah. So that's like my culture uh, and just the faith in general. Like I love Islam. Um, it's who I am. Like, um, and again, I'm not the best Muslim like most people, I, but like, I feel like the, the, the religion, it, it, it speaks to me. Like, and, I, and I've done, I've sinned a lot in my life and I, I've, I've done a lot of, you know, shitty things, but, through it all, I feel like, uh, especially as I've gotten older, like the Islam is incredibly important to me. I think it's a beautiful religion. You know, everything I've learned in terms of, you know, compassion, love, hope, faith, peace, tolerance, all these attributes, mercy, um, like they, they kind of, they resonate with me. So yeah, I mean, my culture is incredibly important to me. My kids' names, I gave them Arabic names. It was, so I have Muhammad or Muhammad and then Rena then Ali or Ali and then Yasmin, they're all, you know, they're all Middle Eastern names. And, you know, my boys got Islamic tattoos on their bodies. Like it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't speak the language well anymore or at all. 
you know, we could probably get in trouble in like a Middle Eastern country, you and I, but, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I mean, diversity, like that's what I, this country is amazing. Like I watched a show the other day on Netflix and it was about cultural feuds and it was going through each of the countries and like regions and how they have foods. And I got to America and there's, you don't have no, what's, what's the fucking American food? Tell me something hot dog that came from Germany, yeah, yeah, like yeah. French fries that we didn't make that shit, but like it's on our money, e plurus unum, right? From many one, like our diversity is what's amazing in the strength. Like, like to me, it's, that's what makes us. And when we talk about American exceptionalism, that's, that's what makes us unique. Every other country on planet earth is drawn by religious lines, by cultural lines, by, you know, some war power grab. And we got 50 States here Right, even in North America, or North American General Assembly in Canada, you know, similar. Like it's just the the countries are, are the lines are drawn not along those populations, and I, I think our, our our strength is our diversity. It really is. No, I I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah, so I guess coming from this background, uh, you know, and it is interesting where you see these hubs or these cultures that pop up, you know, uh, so specifically Dearborn, Michigan, right. Where, you know, the Lebanese migrate to, and then, you know, create a culture there. But, you know, sounds like a lot of people got into government work or, you know, got into in your realm, got into how to be successful. How, How did you choose the Navy? And then, what was that transition like? Because, you know, I, was, know yeah. Yeah. I know your story, but I think it's very interesting how you ended up as a nuclear officer, commanding yeah. officer of a guided missile destroyer from, you know, some dude from Dearborn, Michigan. So No, it's crazy. So uh, I actually, I was a, believe it or not, you wouldn't tell. I was a pretty decent high school athlete. And, and then I went to college for a year. I actually went to a bunch of, and I'm playing college football at a little school in, in Michigan. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't satisfied. I just felt like, uh, you know, it was 1993. I graduated high school and I was like, I remember this very clearly. I was like sitting in my loft, like this really shitty uh, dorm uh, at Adrian College in Michigan. And I'm with my buddy, Yad. He was a high school uh, with me. He came to Adrian and I'm like, man, I really, this shit is stupid. I'm like, I really want to be in the FBI. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think that shit sounds really cool. You know, like I want to wear a black turtleneck, like Archer. <laughs> and uh and uh he was like you know man the the best thing uh, to get in the fbi is the military and i was like well shit so the story is fantastic i love it so i go to the maps or the uh little recruiting area and uh they're in adrian and i was like i'm definitely not going in the marines that's i'm not or the army i'm not gonna be shitting in the woods that's not how i live like i'm Right, I'm a, I'm a city dude. Like I don't. And, that's not and yet, I'm... and yet, on many a run, you've probably lost a pair of socks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I go to the Air Force guy, and it says like I remember it like very vividly. He had like one of those things that says, "Hey, be back at this time." And it was like a fucking hour past that time, and he still wasn't there. Like I knock on the door, and um, he um, he wasn't there. And like this Navy dude sticks his head out because it's all on Long Strip Mall sticks his head up, turns his head down. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I just came to talk to this dude. He's like, have you talked to him before? I was like, no. I was just coming to see what, you know, what this is about. He's like, well, come on down. And then it was oh, a wrap. He poached you. Yeah, yeah he, he poached me. Yeah. <laughs> so I go through the whole process. I actually left MAPS when I first joined because I wanted to be an IS. They tried to trick me. I wasn't going to do it. Um, it's funny. The irony is they offered me to be a nuke because I did well on the ASVAB, but I was like, that shit's stupid. Right. The only thing I knew about nuclear power back then was what I knew in the symptoms. 
and that shit looked terrible. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I enlisted, 17 May 1994. Uh, got a cruiser down in Jacksonville. I had a, a, you were an OS, right? Yeah, I was an operations specialist. I was a yeah. rescue swimmer. Um, you know, I just did my thing. And, you know, people always ask me how I got commissioned. I, I don't know if I was that good. I was probably, if you ask most people, I was... <laughs> like humility hits you later in life. Like you couldn't tell me a fucking thing. You know, oh, I, I know. was, I was a horrible sailor. I was like, I thought my shit didn't stink. Like I, 17 May, 1994, I joined the Navy as an E2. September of 95, I was OS2 SW rescue swimmer in 18 months. Yeah. And it was, it was just too much. Right. Uh, and then I got selected for commissioning program. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I mean, how did I get commissioned is I, I just did my job and I read. That's what I do. You know, I just read things and uh, I'm lucky that they stick with me. So, yeah, I, I, I got picked up through, uh, I actually went initially. So my, my commissioning program was a little weird. I commissioned through the uh, enlisted commissioning program ultimately, but I first went to Boost, brought an opportunity yeah. for off-selection and training. It's a minority recruitment program to kind of diversify the wardrobes. Like when yeah. I was enlisted guy, there was one black officer in my wardrobe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and now when you go to wardrooms, there's African-Americans, there's blacks, there's tons of women, Latinos. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different culture than it was in 1990s. So, I, um, yeah, I, uh, I was able to, to move back over onto ECP, and then I got commissioned. And I was actually going to go to med school for a while. I actually had an application that was selected for the longest time. I just couldn't get into Bethesda. So when that dream died on the vine, I had to decide what service I was in, like what community I was going to. And I'm a science guy. You know, I got a BS and MS in biochemistry. Plus, I know the nukes made a lot of money. And at that time, I'm a young kid with a bunch of kids. I'm like, I need to get fucking paid. Well, yeah, they make, they make money because their life sucks, right? <laughs> it does. Yeah, they get it. Yes. Yeah, they do. It's a fact. It's not the, it's not the best lifestyle. Well, also, I mean, I selected my, the, my experience of uh, nukes is like, you know, they really didn't have a day off. They had like a day on, a duty day, and then they were leaving that third day. But still, it was a day that they were at work, right? So you, you legitimately never had an actual day where you did not, you know, spend time on the ship. No, it's, I mean, it's, we are historically the lowest, uh, retained officer in all of military service, like 17% for swell nukes. I think it's 19%-ish for uh, sub-nukes. And that's, um, those numbers are probably dated a little bit. But yeah, we're, we're not retained well because, to be honest, the community is filled with exceptional people that are incredibly brilliant and they can make a ton of money in the outside world. Yeah. Even kids that have worked for me directly, I had a, you know, I had a guy turn down HBS to go work at a hedge fund. Uh, you know, people went to MIT. Uh, I mean, they're just incredibly capable, so we can't keep them in. So we throw money at them, and money's not the answer. Well, and we, we talked about this uh, on our run the other day. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's very, for someone outside of the military, it's very, I think it would be surprising how little uh, you get paid for what you actually do, right? And, and yeah. this, in the civilian sector, you, you would, you know, so in other words, you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it for the job or for the service, right? No, the money the money is, is never the reason. Like if you're in this business to get rich, that's not, that's not what we live. It, yeah. I mean, anywhere else I've been in the Navy 26 years. And then like you said, I'm, I hopefully if I don't screw it up, I'll take command in April. No, nah, right? you're going to take command. Uh, but uh, if, we, if we get you out on time, you'll be Yeah. If go. you get me out on time. Yeah. <laughs> no but, pressure on Jeff. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if there, if, 
any other organization that if uh, that I joined and I was at this level uh, after 26 years, I, I think I'd be doing significantly better. But like you said, that's not that's not what drives us. Yeah. Right. I, I don't want a job that. Um, like I don't know. It's it's. Like I'm, I'm not a big like, hey, stand up. Like when people thank me for my service, that shit makes me feel weird. Like, hey, when you go to places, like, hey, if you're in the military, stand up. I never stand up. My kids are like, Dad, why don't you stand up? I'm like, that's, that's not, that's not for me. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need all that. But um, like, service implies sacrifice. That's what this life is for. You know, we live for other people, for and sure. there's no, there's no place other. But like. Police so others officers, may live. So right? others may live. It's tattooed on my body. Yeah. Yeah. You know, teachers, police officers, fire, everybody does their their part, right? Civil service is civil service. Like the military definitely there's a you know, I appreciate people's like, you know, like gratitude, but there's you know, doctors, like I mean, look at the pandemic, nurses, like people are people are getting it in every day for for somebody else. And that's I think exceptional, you know. Yeah, man, I, I think you're an exceptional leader. I mean, I, I've had the privilege of seeing you operate uh, in, in a work environment. And, uh, you know, so we've, we've kind of glanced a, across the, the, you know, the wave tops of, you know, your, your, your background and your service. I, I'd like to maybe just kind of anybody that has listened to this podcast over time knows that, you know, we're, we're not going to get through an, uh, an episode without some level of, you know, vulnerability here. You know, yeah. my, girl, my girl, Brene, and I'm not going to throw you any sucker punch or anything, but yeah. I guess just an open-ended question because I, I, I see you as a, as a friend. I love you as a brother. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And, you know, but I also see you as this extraordinary, extraordinarily driven individual that is a high level, like a list, you know, successful man, uh, commanding officer, you know, nuclear officer, you know, you, you have the potential to do whatever you want to do. And yet what I think is probably beneficial to the listener and, and, and to me too, Sam, like just, I enjoy our conversations, but what is beneficial to the listener, to anyone is to know that no one is without struggle. No one is without hardship. You know, you may look at somebody's Facebook profile and go, man, this guy's crushing it. Or you may see this guy wearing, you know, gold or, um, excuse me, uh, silver Eagle, uh, you know, collar devices commanding a ship. And yet, you know, we, we think these people are infallible. And I guess my question would be, can you, can you think of a time or can you share with the listener and me, you know, some, some times when you had adversity and, and what those tools were that you used to overcome them, uh, whether it be actually, I would, I would prefer personal, uh, but yeah, I can't, you know, I give it to you raw. Like that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and Jeff obviously knows my story. So I, I was divorced uh, recently. That, that was incredibly hard. Um, my wife and I just um, ended after 25 years and, and that, that was tough. You know, I buried my father in 2009, my sister in 2013. And I swear uh, losing my, uh, my ex-wife was hardest thing I've ever done. And I was on deployment when this stuff was happening. Now, healthy or not, like, like you say, so what I tell people all the time, what I've learned as I've read these hundreds of books and just consumed thousands of hours of videos and podcasts, is we're all the same, right? Everybody, everybody struggles. Everybody has demons. Everybody's fighting something. And while we're special in who we are, right, we're not special in that fact. Like every, everybody is struggling or has a reason not to do something. 
that's why, you know, in my office or in my bedroom, I got that man of the arena quote, you know, like I got to fucking, I got to do my job. And the best story through this whole thing, if you feel like what kind of defines me and my mom will kill me if she listens to this, but, um, <laughs> you know, I love her. She's the best thing ever happened to me for real. Um, <clears throat> so we're on deployment. Marriage just completely fell apart. Uh, yeah, there you go, brother. Yeah. Rough riders. I, I've been on 71. I'm a 71 alum. Um, you know, it's tattooed on my body. I got all my ships numbers on my body. Is that right? So, yeah, 100%. They're all there. They're all there. Very cool. Yeah. And I say I got one for 94 when I finished. I was going to say, where's it's, 94? It, yeah. You got to wait. You can't do that shit prematurely. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're on the point of having a rough time. And, like, and my guys. Uh, you uh, okay um, i think i'm good at compartmentalizing which is not healthy like that's no, what you and i not. talk that's what we you know so i that's why i read and try to figure out like how to process all this but like one that was like i remember one time it was like a saturday or sunday uh it was probably sunday it was holiday routine I was having a really hard time man and you've been in my death you've been in my office how many motherfuckers come to my office every day like too many it's around <laughs> yeah. the clock right and yeah it's every fine. 10 that's minutes what, yeah, yeah it's what we're doing so <laughs> Like I shut my door and I'm having a hard time and I break down. Like I'm on deployment, I'm crying in my, in my stateroom, man. <clears throat> and I call my mom and my mom, and this is like, I, this has happened before, but this one just really, it sticks out to me where she's like, what's wrong with you, Hassan? I'm like, my, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> she tells me, and, and I don't know if I told you this story or not, but, no, and I this, is, this, is, this, is, this is like my mom. This is what I love about her. She knows what to tell me when I need to tell me. She says, you're crying. Why? Because your marriage didn't work out. You think you're the only person this has happened to? I said, no, ma. She tells me, and this is no lie. She said, they should fire you. You're sitting there at your desk, fucking crying, and there's kids out there that need you. Hmm. They should fire you for the way you're acting. Get your shit together and do what you're supposed to do. And that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. Right? Right. This this sorry, this this victim mentality. You 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 can't let that stuff creep in on you, man. Every that's the point. Everybody has something. Everybody. I got 310 kids on my ship. I shouldn't I call them kids because I'm older than most of them, right? But these kids are like chiefs, officers. Every person has a reason they can't be there that day. Yeah. Every one of them has something, but we do our part, right? And that's what she was trying to convey to me that, hey, I understand you're going through a hard time, but just because you're having a hard time doesn't mean you don't get to carry your water. Doesn't mean that you do get to serve other people. Yeah, and the Buddha said life is suffering, right? And that's that, it. that was something that when I delivered my talk to your ship, uh, that yeah. was something I addressed was like, hey, I understand. Uh, I'm, I'm really just trying to highlight what you said in, yeah. in, in different words, but you know, it's like, I understand that your schedule sucks and that, you know, th this is not where you thought you'd be or whatever, but guess what? Like, let me put some things into perspective with, you know, giving you a worst case scenario of what I had to go through. And then yeah. and what, what dawned on me was that exactly what you're talking about was that even though I thought I had it, like literally I would say to myself or say to Heidi, uh, you know, my wife, uh, you know, this is a one of a kind story. Like, I can't believe it. But then as I started giving that talk more and more and more, I realized that the, the details were different, yet the struggle was the same. Right. You told me that, that you can't. And then I've always said, 
you know, I don't know who said you can't compare trauma for trauma, but what you said, hey, like, and we had talked about every, everybody's threshold is different. Like, exactly. so like it's, it's the truth. Um, and I, I'm conscious of it. I find myself doing this all the time. Like, well, I've gone through that. Like, or like me, like, like I, with the experience I just explained, like, you know, I, I got all this, I got family problems. I got my personal life, all these things have gained COVID 10 pounds. I hate this thing. Right. Uh, you guys run like three minute miles faster than me. It sucks, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you just, all you could do is be better than you were yesterday. Uh, and try to try to do the best you can. Well, I know you're going to love where I'm going with this next thought. Uh, and, and just so you know, Sam, I think the listener probably knows, but I don't prepare any notes. Like this is all just a free flow. I, you know, I, I'm yeah. going with, I'm going with where your headspace is. And so what, what's coming to mind for me right now is some other stuff that we've talked about, whether online or in person about, you know, just this mindset of gratitude and how that can help you, uh, you know, not feel the victim mentality or not feel like, you know, Hey, 2020 sucked. Okay. Well for me, it wasn't all that bad, honestly. Like I yeah. got a new job. Uh, yeah. you know, like I'm, you know, like anyway, I'm not trying to say like my life is perfect cause it's really not. I, I definitely have problems and, and you have problems and we all have problems. hundred percent. Yeah. If we can focus on the gratitude, it makes the problem seem like they're, less uh of a burden that we're having to bear right because we can 100 things that we're we're grateful for i'm grateful for my wife i'm grateful for my health you know i'm grateful for my faith i'm grateful for my job my kids time i'm, I'm grateful for this conversation like literally in the moment i could say i'm grateful that sam took the time to talk to me and, and my listeners to shed some wisdom right yeah so where does, where does gratitude land with you? Where do you struggle with gratitude? And then where do you flourish with gratitude? Like when does it work well? When does it not? So there, there are pockets, right? Um, so I, that's one that I, I struggle with a lot um, because I think that's like we had talked about whether it's the hero's journey. I think this is God's big gotcha. Like I told you, in order to be driven and at the level that, that, that people are and um, – like to never, like you walked in my state room right, on the whiteboard, it says, this is not a destination ride. This is a forever journey. Like I'm never yeah. going to be satisfied. Right. And that, what that's like, what'd you tell me? It's what, what's uh, it's your gift is also your curse. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what yeah. makes me exceptional in certain things cost me either emotionally or physically in others. And I struggle with gratitude. I've read, again, I've read a bunch of books and like my brother, he told me once before, he's like, he's like, if I, if I told you, uh, 80% of your life would be good. Would that be okay? I'm like, yeah. Because, okay, your kids are healthy. They all love you. You got a great career. You're young, you're healthy. So your marriage doesn't work out. Like, why isn't that good enough? Right? Mm. And that's always, this is always the, uh, you know, the no rain, no flowers. It's like when you got you to gotta look about, and that's why I, when I told you, hey, you should read Falling Upwards. Really, the only way to ascend is through failure. Like that's yeah. the fucking key, right? You got to fall down to get back up, right? Oh, the, uh, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't fallen down. Exactly, yeah. right? So the gratitude piece is one that's hard for me because what I'm, what I'm struggling with right now more than anything, uh, like I meditated this morning with my Headspace app. Like, I, I, the, like you, we talked about the hero's journey before, right? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's finding the, the sweet spot 
where you can exist on this hedon, uh, with a, a hedonic treadmill yes. and, while also being content with who you are. Because at its, at its core, like I know why I, I have problems. Like I don't, um, like and I've felt this way for the longest time. Like I told you before and you, well, I guess you didn't, you didn't realize like I have this brain tumor, right? It's benign. Yeah. Uh, but I had a shot with a bunch of radiation back in 2008-ish, I think. Yeah, 2008. So I had, you know, tons of MRIs, but what it does to you, it makes you feel your mortality. And what's the worst is like you sit inside of this MRI machine with your head kind of locked in place, like you can't move and it's like legit claustrophobic. Yeah. And for an hour, you just get to contemplate your life. And what I've always, like for me, what, why gratitude is so important because at my core, I think I'm unsettled because um, I feel like I've, I've had a blessed life and I lack gratitude. Like God mm. has given me so much that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what I have, right? So that's what at my core makes me unsettled. That's why I try to be better to earn, to earn that what I what I've been given. Uh, that's why, like when the phone rings, I have anxiety. I'm like, oh fuck, I hope that's not bad news. You're like I'm waiting oh. for the hammer to drop. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm the, gonna, I'm gonna call tell away, you, man. I'm gonna tell you right now what that is. That's uh, that's just the anxiety of a guy that's been in the military for 26 years. Uh, cause <laughs> is I this, yeah, because I have the same anxiety. Yeah. Like it's always. It, it's part of PTSD too. It's like, it, you just always expect that, you know, the worst possible news, right? Cause that, yeah. you know, if you expect the worst and you can pivot from that to a different opportunity, um, not, not to cut across you, but I, I just, most people uh, will probably know what you are referencing, but I want to just kind of clear it up for people that maybe in your family or network that aren't uh, regular listeners of the show, uh, the hero's journey. Uh, it's basically, it's a theory about, uh, how cyclical the progression of life is, right? And so you see it in movies and in books where, you know, the hero goes out on an adventure, he gets the call to adventure, he answers the call, he has a problem, uh, you know, there's some he almost dies kind of scenario. Then he drinks the elixir, slays the dragon, marries the princess, and then it basically happens over and over again. So there's some overlap, maybe like a Venn diagram scenario with, the hero's journey and how that portrays in our lives and in, in movies and in uh, books. Uh, and also it's very similar, or I'm sorry, it, it does overlap to the hedonic treadmill, which is a theory of, you know, you return to the level of joy that you were before you accomplished the mission. Right. So, you know, you're going to take command on April 9th, right? Yeah. That'll, be, that'll be a big day for you. Right. But six months into that, you'll return back to the level of joy you had on that, uh, you know, before that day. Right. Uh, and you know, we, we see this and I want to get to uh, sports and you know, your, your hobbies as well, but you know, we, we see this in crossing the finish line, right? Like you cross that finish line, it's great. And you get to post it and you know, your Strava is blowing up and like life is good. And then you return to that same level of joy you had before you cross that finish line. You're like, okay, what's, what's the next race, right? That's, yeah. That's the hedonic treadmill. Uh, yeah. So. so professionally, there's been a few times where like in tears, like, uh, like just so proud because I always feel like, uh, I mean, and you, you see it like, I, I mean, my, I'm blessed. The ship is, is doing incredibly well and all the kids there, they get it in for you every day. They, uh, you know, they've bought in. But when the struggle and you're like, you bleed out for this thing every day, when success finally comes, it's like, it's like, a, it's the most incredible feeling. Uh, it's hard to explain. Right. And so well, the, we go the, through juice, success. the juice is sweeter. Yeah. yeah. The juice is sweeter. Yeah. Cause exactly. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. So, um, 
you know, and there's been a bunch of times in my career where I've, where I've experienced that and I've been lucky. But the problem is the day-to-day, you don't get that. No. And that's, that's what separates. That 930 the, meeting doesn't. No, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't spark fucking joy for me at all, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's no sparking joy at that fucking 930 production meeting. Like, I'll be, I'm on leave, right? I went in last week and, you know, I'll be next Wednesday at 930 at that fucking meeting. Ready you to go, man. I'll be there too, bro. I know you will, bro. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And well, we, hey, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, no, so, you know, I guess I'd like to kind of get into, so we, we talked a lot about, you know, a purpose-driven life, basically, yeah. and we talked about what drives you, and I'd kind of like to get into, we talked about your spirituality. I'd like to maybe just kind of bump up against the the personal life thing with, yeah. you know, diet and exercise and why, because a lot of people that are going to listen to this, whether they're, you know, friends of you or just people, you know, coming in from outside, uh, they probably found this podcast because it is a, a growth development, personal health, mental health, yeah. wellness, you know, just like the Facebook group I created, you know, it's all, it's all connected, right? You can't just say, okay, this is work. This is food. This is exercise. This is family. That's bullshit. They are not separate entities. Everything is connected. Yeah. And so, you know, we've kind of touched on the, on the work and the family. Now let's talk, and and we talked about your faith and how important that is. Let's talk about maybe, uh, well, obviously education is important to you and we touched on that like, and we'll get back to resources, but I want to, I want to kind of just, pick your brain about where you come from on the stance of your diet, exercise, the importance of it, physically, mentally, all of that. Yeah. So for me, so I'm vegan, right? And I'm not the best at anything I do. Like everybody is like, I just want to do as as best as I can. Initially I did it. I think was, uh, I was vegetarian for a couple of years and it was like, like my dad, dad is 60, my sister at 42. My family has a history of heart disease. I had, uh, you know, I've had high cholesterol my whole life. I take a statin. Um, and as I got more and more in the triathlon and then been doing this, I just, I just felt like, like your, uh, you know, your body's a machine and, uh, what you put in it, which is what you're going to get out. And to me, the, uh, that, the being vegan or plant-based or whatever you want to call it, whole food plant-based. Cause I, to be honest, I eat a lot of bullshit, right? So being vegan doesn't mean you're fucking healthy, right? Oreos, no. are, your Oreos are vegan. I'll eat the shit out of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what I, the, what I've recognized spiritually, right. Is I don't, like, I don't want to consume death in my body, man. Like, I, that's not what I'm built for. Like, I don't want to eat something that's dead. Yeah. Um, I, like, I, I can't, I, I don't want to do that. And I just, I feel like, you know, your body remakes itself every 28 days or what it is. And I want the building blocks for, cause what I do, like I'm, th- I'm 45. My right knee is bone on bone. They told me when I was 37, I needed a knee replacement. Um, and I tell those doctors, fuck you every day. Like I'm out grinding it out. Like I'm going to run this thing like a rent a car and then we'll figure it out at the end. And what allows me to do those things, I think, is because I've removed, for me, inflammation control is the most important. Like, everything we do in life is about free radicals, right? That's why all, and this is, I love this topic because you know, I got my BS in medicine biochemistry, right? But yeah, all of the, uh, you know, all the, like, longevity studies or any of these things for, uh, for health start with a, a, a low-calorie diet. Why is that the case? That's because everything you consume produces free radicals and it kills you, Right. Literally mm-hmm. everything, eating in itself produces free radicals, which does uh, harm to your body. So the first thing you do when you go see a doctor, you tell me you want to live longer. They say, okay, we'll put you on an 800,000 calorie diet and you'll live longer, which you want to get the quality of life you want, but 
it's because like, it's, it's about free radical generation and kind of whole body inflammation. So hmm. if for a guy at my age, you know, I still haven't done my first, I still haven't done a full IM because uh, NHTSA took that from me two a years full ago. Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, like I, I, at 45, uh, with the way we live and whatever, the, the, to me, it's all about optimal performance. So that lifestyle really is allows me, a guy at my age who works a stressful kind of job I do, to kind of push my body to the extremes of what I ask it to do. Um, and I feel like as we age, just like, um, like we talk about for triathlon, it's the fourth discipline, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, to me, that, that lifestyle is, is a critical <clears throat> component because it allows me to beat my body up. Like I see guys all the time, like, you know how we talk about like exercise is my therapy. Like I, I haven't seen a counselor yet. You're my, I always tell Jeff, I tell people Jeff Bayless is my, uh, and John Tyler, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> uh, they're my spiritual advisors and counselors, right? <laughs> so if it wasn't for you two motherfuckers or, or uh, a couple other of my homeboys or my exercise, it's just, it's where I get to suffer and get in my, uh, get in my head like you can't hide right the bike yeah. is the ultimate equalizer right when you're out there and you're just you're just suffering and just like it, it forces you to kind of you know it's yeah you, no i think uh it's a very spiritual feeling you know yeah it, well, i think you know I, it, everybody that listens to this knows that i'm a big proponent of therapy and uh you know i'm not saying that that is the solution because again it's all connected uh yeah. but I think cleaning up your diet, maybe reducing the alcohol intake, maybe moving your body and having some people you can talk to and having some sort of network or tribe of like-minded people to your point, you know, the blue zones, right? Those are the people yeah. that, yeah. So, you know, having someone like you that you and I can exchange ideas on a run or, or even just a 30 minute lunch break, right? Or, yeah. or whatever that, you know, those, those things are, it's counterintuitive. You think, Okay, like, so the, the lay person would listen to you say, I can beat my body up. And they would say, why would you want to beat your body up? Like, look at you, your knees shot. And, you yeah. know, and, and I see this in, in my new job, right? Like the, the guys that uh, have been there for a while are kind of haggard, right? I don't think it's a job thing. I think it's a lifestyle thing. You know, 100%. Like they have chosen uh, to drink the Kool-Aid of X, Y, and Z that this is what we do. Uh, and so you know, I, I think for you, man, it's, I, I told my therapist this, speaking of therapy, like I told my therapist, you know, back in the day, I, yes, technically I was a badass in triathlon, uh, but I was not healthy in every other facet. Right. Yeah. And so it's that balance portion where, you know, I, I'm not saying like, I'll do another Ironman. I will definitely do another half Ironman. Like there, there's, that's not going to go. May 1st, bro. I need you. May 1st. <laughs> Is, are there still openings? I signed up for it. I don't know. That was why well, everybody else was, was toasting New Year's. After I toasted New Year's at 12.05, I signed up for the White Lake Half IM, May 1st. Dude, uh, so I'll tell you what. If, if I get uh, – I need, I need some PTO before I can do that. Uh, <laughs> but that's coming for sure. Uh, but anyway, so like, you know, I, I think what's d discredited is the, the mental – portion i mean there there is sign and, and you're more of a scientist than i am but there are scientific factual biological studies on how exercise helps your brain like how it, how the dopamine the serotonin you know how how you know basically it, it's a drug for your own happiness and yet 
it, it's not a drug. It's, it's, it's beneficial for your life. No, move, movement is life, right? The minute, yes. that's why you look at it in anything. Like, like, um, like go to a senior care home. What the, the minute someone falls and breaks their hips, they're, they're, you know, their, their life is over shortly after. Like once you Good take point. away, once you take away movement from somebody, that's why. So does my knee hurt? Yeah, it does. You know when it hurts the worst? When I'm static and then doing something dynamic. So getting up. Yeah. And when I'm in it, then, you know, I just deal with the pain. Uh, but the, is it, am I, is it medically unsound? I don't know. You know, what's worse is being 30, 40 pounds overweight. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I just think, um, something's going to get you. I think your diet and your exercise is, is important. The other part I will tell you in our line of work, like your physical appearance it, or, or your physical appearance is the manifestation of your discipline. Oh man, I was just telling Heidi right? this the other day. So yes. <laughs> when you look at somebody and they are fit, you know that they are disciplined, that they're disciplined, they control what put in their mouth, that they're disciplined, that they can go out and exercise and they don't want to exercise and they're willing to do work. And in my hey, line of business, I'm not going to stand in front of uh, young men and women and fucking look like I don't, just, I don't belong there. That's never going to fucking happen. You know, there was a, there was a chief in one of our meetings and you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, one of, one of my coworkers, he looked at me when that chief stood up and I uh, said, man, I would be embarrassed to talk to the captain like that. You know, I just, it's, it would be, it sounds like we're being crass and we're not trying to be, I'm rude. not being crass. I'm just saying that like, if there, there are some, there, when you say words, words have meaning, right? So if you say yes. some, something to somebody, like if you were to describe the U.S. Marine Corps silent drill team, right? You say military precision, right? Yeah. You say military, it implies something, right? Or if you say this guy is disciplined, right? Like you, to your point, you can, uh, and even though we compartmentalize things well, you can be disciplined in one part of your life and not in the other. And sometimes they, they bleed over. But like when you're talking about your physical health and, your, and, uh, and kind of your mental health and well-being, like that, that's where it all starts, man. Yeah. You can't, you you like, just like you just said, um, it's, it is a physical representation of if you're disciplined or not. Well, and how can I tell someone to, you know, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Exactly. So how, how I can't can be I, a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. How can I tell someone that, Hey, don't cheat on your wife. Uh, but I do, Hey, yeah. don't, you know, Hey, don't drink and drive, but I do, Hey, yeah. you know, be in, be in standards for the military as far as your, you know, your, your weight, uh, but I'm not in standards. Right. So, and yeah, I, I think that, you know, to the lay person, it may sound like, you know, again, like we're being a little, uh, I don't know, just rough on people that have challenges. And that's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is it, it's all tied in. So you can't just have discipline in one area of your life and then disregard this other area and think it's going to go unnoticed or that it's not going to cause you harm, be it professionally, personally yeah um, I, i'm i'm no supermodel right uh, <laughs> i don't know i've right? seen a lot of shirtless uh shirtless videos yeah, that's on what Instagram. i do i know that's what i do my kids make fun of me all the time they're like dad can you put some clothes on this is you're like people are talking about you i'm like yeah <laughs> uh no so like uh but i what i what i love and there's that's why i love triathlon man it's the most uplifting experience on planet 100%. earth and it's yeah. never again you don't have to look that way right? I don't care if you're 300 pounds overweight, there's nothing better. Like people are like, Oh, new year's resolutions, people in the gym, like, fuck that. There's nothing more motivating than watching somebody who has decided that now's the time and yeah. they're working at it. I remember North Carolina 
uh, uh, half I am in North Carolina, looking at a girl, probably like a quarter mile or a mile ahead of me, a uh, quarter mile, half mile ahead of me. And she, I could tell from her silhouette, I'm like, she's a bigger girl. So I try, like, I'm trying to focus on uh, people to try to pick them off to move. Of and I'm like, yes. And I'm like, I, I chased her down the whole time. I don't think I closed any distance. I'm like, this girl's killing it. Like, this, yeah. is, this is what I love. Or how many times have I been passed by a, a, a soccer mom with a, with a dual stroller on a, <laughs> on a shamrock race? I'm like, yeah, fuck, man. There's nothing more motivating. So it's not like, it's not so much the discipline and your physical appearance. It's the discipline of being committed to being a better version of yourself to be Absolutely. whatever that is. You're never going to be real thin. I'm not going to be real thin. Right, I'm a Middle East, Lebanese dude who's losing his hair, right? <laughs> so I just want to be the best version. So it's not crass or saying well, like, we just want people to look good. It has really nothing to do with it. You could look however you want to look as long as tomorrow you're better than you are today. That's yeah, don't, don't compare yourself to someone else, right? Just compare nope. yourself to where you were yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. So, hey, um, I, want to, I want to just hit one more topic and then uh, probably close down here a little bit. So... I guess I know you consume a lot of information. I personally consume a lot of information and we've talked about this before. And I'm, I'm, I, somebody asked me one time about reading books and I was like, well, you have a choice when you, in fact, this is going to be a later podcast episode. I've got some notes on it about information consumption and, and the choice you make with information. Right. So there, the, my philosophy is you're going to consume information regardless it's coming in. You know, you look on your phone, you look on the TV, either way, the information is coming in. And so I think people that read books, listen to podcasts, uh, listen to audio books, watch TED Talks, those, those people are choosing, they're, they're being selective, kind of like you are with your diet and being vegan, right? Yeah. They're being selective with the information you're consuming. To, to reference it back earlier, you know, we're not watching The Simpsons. Although, you know, I enjoy a good... A good oh, I watch comedy. trash television. I'm yeah, a yeah. bachelor, bachelor <laughs> aficionado. I love all that. But. You also watch documentaries. I um, do. So my, my, my question, I guess, would, would be, you know, what are some of the most profound resources you've had in way of positive information that you've consumed, be it podcasts, books, audiobooks, or whatever? So it's fun. I had this conversation with a friend of mine last night. Um, she was always, she said, so there was an article in the New Yorker about, uh, about this personal growth mindset of squeezing everything you can out of yourself. And it was, it was actually almost contrary. It was, it was an argument against it, which I don't buy on, but I do think, so I consume a lot. Yes. Uh, part of the people would say, because I can't be still, right. Despite the fact that I've read the book, stillness is the key. Yeah. Right. But I, I really love Jordan Patterson's book, the 12 rules for life. Peterson um, or Peterson. Damn it. Jordan Peterson. I hope he doesn't get the, he doesn't listen to this. If he does, he's going to be pissed off. Yeah. Um, but the, like the ones that I told you, everything is spiritual. I think is incredibly Rob profound. Bell. Rob, Rob Bell. Bell. Yeah, he's and you, like I mentioned earlier, the um, 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 falling upwards, Richard Rohr. To me, I, that's where I would start with Richard Rohr would be that first uh, falling upwards. That was really good. I, yeah. yeah I, I appreciate I, I can, the recommendation. hundred yeah. percent. Um, and you know, I, I, to be honest, where a lot of it started, I read a lot of poetry and you know this, right? Um, yeah. But, and a lot of people don't. And most people in my ship were like, that dude has zero soft side to this. There's no way. 
but I love. Like, and then you, the and worst. then you post a Rumi quote. Yeah. Um, I love Rumi. I love Hello Gibran, like joy and sorrow. I love what I've recognized. Um, like we talked about shadow work in Carl Jung. So I would, I would look yeah. into that. Like you, you have to understand that light, light casts darkness. Everything is created in pairs, right? No rain, no flowers, right? You can't, you can't have good without bad. And when you convince yourself uh, that there's some utopia of like this pure bliss is where you find yourself falling off the wagon and you make wrong moral and ethical decisions because you're like, oh, I deserve better. Like I should be fucking happy. No, you should, you should be happy, bro. But 70% happiness is fucking pretty good, right? There's no 100% yeah. of, there's no 100% of anything. So for me, like the books that have, I think have been most profound for me is Falling Upward. And that's one I've read recently, right? That's probably six months ago. And then Everything is Spiritual by Rob Bell. And uh, the, uh, I'm not going to say it, Patterson. Peterson. <laughs> Peterson. God damn it. Jordan Peterson. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. For life. Uh, 12 rules, yeah. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, it's, it, I think what you, what you, what you, at some point, what you have to be conscious of in this the conversation I had with my friend last night, it was, if you consume this stuff, it has, you have to then take action on it. It can't just be, oh, I'm, I'm just saying that constant states of consumption, but there's no, there's no personal growth. So I think that's sure. one of the things like, if you're constantly seeking, you have time to internalize it yeah. and reflect and become better. So like today, I haven't looked at, to be honest, I haven't looked at any of the sites that I normally do. And uh, I meditated this morning, uh, with, like I said, with Headspace for uh, 10 minutes. You don't do, uh, do you do Insight Timer as well? or I have Insight Timer. I haven't got into it. I have Headspace um, yeah. and I should, but I think that's, so I, I would, what I would offer the people is that you should consume as much as you can, but at some point then you, ha you have to be still yeah. and you gotta, you gotta then become introspective and then it can't just be like information for information's sake. It has to become knowledge and and applicable uh, and applicable yeah. right yeah. like you, you're going to become wounded or you become wise right so you want to use that information to get wiser this whole project for me brother is about introspection yeah and it, just to highlight you know carl jung's uh shadow work uh you know i think that a lot of people probably know what that is but i would encourage i just want to like highlight what you said there because that is important and i just learned about that maybe a year or two ago what shadow work is. So I would encourage the listener to Google shadow work and what that actually means uh, instead of taking our, uh, you know, our, our word for it. But <clears throat> shadow work is basically behind every action or interpretation. There's some shadow that uh, exists, some, some spot where, you know, maybe the light doesn't shine and you're not able to see the, the, the truth. Uh, so Sam, I, I want to ask you one last question, man. I ask everybody this question. I give you a heads up and it's, I know it's going to be tough, yeah. but uh, you know, so for a lot of my life, I focused so much of my reputation and legacy. I wanted to be the captain deck LDO guy in the Navy that, you know, seven Ironmans a year, you know, just worried about my reputation and my legacy that I forgot all, all of what builds that reputation and legacy. And that's your, your character, right. And your, and your value system your value system forges into your character. So my direct question to you is, you know, if, if you were to die and somebody had to write a obituary or maybe give the eulogy, or if, you know, maybe somebody just said something about you that you would never know, you would never get to hear it or see it written about you. 
what would you hope that someone would describe your character? How would you hope someone would articulate who Sam Serini really is as a person, as his, as his deep character, deep rooted character? And then what, what do you do to make sure that, you know, that, that actually happens? So what I would hope, and I think everybody has a, you know, the, the ego piece, but what I would hope is that like, I don't, I don't make decisions for me. Right. I, I, I legitimately live for other people. Right. And I think what I hope, I think my application of how I go about that is what's different than other people. Um, so I would hope they would use words like passionate, driven, uh, sincere, um, ag- you know, aggressive, you know, um, th- those kind of things. My, my, what I would think, I would hope would be like that in times of, uh, you know, struggle that they would want me around. Like I am, I am a person that adds value to this earth that I'm not a consumer of things that when I leave, my mark would be felt because I would. And that's why I try again. That's why it's on my body. That's why I've, you know, my dad, as he was dying, he had this conversation with us and my ex-wife where he, he was telling my brother that, you know, we're producers, mm-hmm. right. And the, in, in the, in the game of life, our family adds value. And when we leave our, uh, our void is felt because we are not taking from people that we are giving. So that's what I hope people would, would get. I, and I understand that, you know, if any of my friends have worked with me professionally, that, that, that dude doesn't give shit, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's not the thing. So what, what I do for people is I, I push them, right? Yeah. I'm going to remove their walls. They're going to know they can do more, right? Come to the ready again. Come to the ready again. Like we're going to grind it out every day and I'm going to make you on this, get on this ride with me, right? We're going to be the best we can be together. Uh, so what I hope they would, uh, they would see is that, that like we are, uh, we live for others and that we are, we are producers and add value to, to our organization, to our community, to our faith. Right. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure my mom or my brother's looking to it. I might be the first ever Muslim commanding officer. Uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. I know there's not right. But so like these things are, they're important because it's not just for me, it's for the community. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I hope like my eulogy would, would be focused around. It would be around that this, this guy did things for others and not, not for his own benefit. Like it's easy for me. Like I, I'm fighting tooth and nail to keep my ship in six sections. Why the fuck do I care? I don't stand duty. Right. I haven't stood duty in years, but that's not what I, it doesn't matter for me. It has nothing to do with me. Right. I'm charged with making sure I can, uh, take care of people both professionally and personally. And I'm trying to do everything I can. Um, and I think it gets lost on people. The higher you get up the food chain, the more you're removed from it, the less you see kind of the, the personal impacts of it. And I'm acutely aware of all the, all the decisions I make and the impacts. Yeah. Uh, whether people agree with them or not, I just think it's, it's part of who I am. So I hope that people say that, uh, you know, this guy was, uh, this guy lived for others. And he left, uh, when he left, whatever it was, life, Nitza, Theodore Roosevelt, Truman, pick a thing. It was better than when he got here. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I could hope for, man. So yeah. others may live. So others may live. Yeah, that, that resonates a lot with me, too. I told you about the, uh, the kind of uh, awakening experience I had with straight up fighting my life's mission. And that life's mission is exactly what you just said. And that's just being a net gain to those around me. 
maybe 1%. Uh, in the case of my kids, it's 100% because they didn't tell me, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that means a lot to me, man, to hear you say that. And uh, with that, I just want to take a second to, to honor you, acknowledge you. Uh, I appreciate our friendship. Absolutely, uh, brother. I respect uh, what you do, uh, not necessarily just for the military, but uh, just what you do as a human being to try to, you know, it, it, I, I recorded a YouTube video with my buddy about bringing people with you, right? And that's what you do is you bring people with you. You're not, you're not taking them. You're not, you know, you might be sometimes dragging them, kicking and screaming. That uh, feels that way. <laughs> but you, you know, you genuinely mean well, and you, you genuinely have their best intention at heart to bring them to the, to the place that you are, uh, which I would say is very close to an enlightened individual. So, uh, I love you, brother. Uh, I love you too, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your time and uh, happy New Year. Thank you, sir. And uh, let's. Uh, I'll, I shoot. I guess I'll, I'll see you tomorrow morning, but. <laughs> Oh, Wednesday. You'll see me Wednesday. Oh, that's right. You're on leave. Yeah. Okay, I'm on okay. leave. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll find a reason to call you anyway. Oh, that's uh, fine, dude. I get a hundred phone calls. Yeah. 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 All right, brother. All right. Well, take thanks, it easy, man. And uh, I appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Take it easy. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, I, you know, one thing that came out as I was doing some editing for the show that I forgot to mention in the, in the bookend on the front is the, the, the fact that, you know, we mentioned it, but I want to highlight it again. You know, no matter where you are in the world, if you look at Sam from the outside, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great leader. He's an athlete. He's a father. Uh, you know, he's doing all these things, and yet he still has had struggles, right? And, and that piece where he talks about, you know, the struggle is the key, right? You know, you've heard me talk about that, that, you know, the obstacle is the way and that's where you build character and all of these things, right? That, uh, I, I swear I didn't tell Sam to say that, <laughs> you know, uh, he has, he has problems too, man. I mean, he has challenges in life and, and that is the human experience. And so <clears throat> I think it's remarkable and important to notice that, you know, even the, the, the people that are in charge of important work. I mean, he's got over 300 sailors that he's in charge of to deploy with, to do the nation's work, right? To protect the country. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know what all I can say about his last deployment, but I'll tell you, it was pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll let him tell that story maybe on another episode, but, you know, he's tasked with a great amount of responsibility, a great amount of authority, and, and just, you know, the, the weight of that uh, alone and then coupled in, you know, that he vulnerably shared that, you know, he, he, he got divorced, he had, you know, he had some death in the family, you know, just, just problems, right. That, that really aren't uh, anybody's fault. It's just life. Right. And so hopefully that was helpful for you to hear it from someone that is very successful. Right. Uh, I know it was for me because when I was in the lowest part of my life, I remember thinking, why me? Like, why is all this happening to me? What, what did I do? Like, I'm, I'm a good dude. Like, I mean, well, like, why is this all happening to me? Well, the reality is that that is just life. It's just the way it is. And it's not what happens to you. It's how you bounce back. Right. And it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. It helps you grow. And, uh, you know, Sam, uh, had shared some stuff that I, I thought was very poignantly said. I also think that, you know, he's going to, be one of these people that when he writes a book about it, uh, you're going to want to read it because he's going to take some clarity 
Uh, I've, I've never met, uh, well, I, I, I would venture to guess that I've never met a more intelligent uh, person. Uh, I've seen Sam not only in, in personal uh, stuff and also just seeing how he operates uh, on, on the ship and, and around my workplace as well. Um, just a really good, good human. So again, everybody struggles and there, there's a, there's a fine example right there of someone that, uh, can maintain composure and be successful also while having the same challenges that we all face, quite frankly. So again, if you got anything out of this, it'd be really cool if you'd hook me up with a review, share it out, throw it in your stories, send it to that one person that maybe, you know, that needs a little clarity or a little perspective. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good, not a lot of people, uh, especially if you are in the military, not a lot of people get that inside track to what's really going on in the leader's mind, right? And uh, so that friendship is is valuable to me. And I appreciate, uh, Sam, when you listen to this, buddy, I, I appreciate you sharing uh, not just the, the wisdom portion, but the vulnerability portion too, because as we, we both know, Brene Brown, and, and many others really talk about uh, transparency, vulnerability, and how that has a healing factor for many people. All right, guys, uh, I will at least be back next week, if not sooner, on the Evolution Podcast. <laughs>